Psalm 144. Today, I want to talk about God will get you out. <laughs> Come on. God will get you out. Turn to Psalm 144. This verse has been going through my heart for weeks now. It all started on an aeroplane. Started on an aeroplane. Aeroplanes are great, a great um, a place to catch up on all the films you want to watch. Yeah? Because you get them free. It's great. You sit there with your headphones on. I've got those, the ones that completely isolate you. They cancel out everybody. I remember once I had those on and I was half asleep. You know, I was, I was on a plane and... Um, and up comes the stewardess, and I'd been in the menu, you know, and say, I want chicken or I want this, that, and the other for, you know, you have your choice and on the long haul flights. And she came up, and I was sort of half, half awake, half asleep, probably dribbling a little bit, and I'm, you know, ear, earphones on, and I was, I'm always on the aisle. I like the aisle seat, unless I can have number 28K on the A380. That's just, <laughs> mate, that's my seat. That's it. Or 23A on the other side of the plane. Just, just great. Nobody can touch you, get near you. You're isolated. You're in your own little space. It's like me and the screen. It's just great. Anyway, I was half asleep on this, sort of half asleep. And up comes the stewardess and she touches me on the shoulder. And I go, I'll have the chicken, please. I'll have the chicken. (laughs) And everybody starts looking at me. I don't know what she was asking, but she wasn't asking me what I want for dinner. He's probably asking if, if I'm okay. Chicken! Anyway, so I was on an aeroplane back in July and didn't watch any films, didn't, didn't have the screen on at all. I just listened to praise and worship for seven hours. Just, just wonderful. I, I was probably singing. You know when you can't hear yourself? You, you ever been there? You know, the shower experience. It's like, ah, la, 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 la. And there I am, earphones on, just singing to God in my heart and probably a little bit eked out leaked out of my mouth and, um, and there's a song that I used to listen to. We used to play back in 19, oh well, 91, 92, 93 and it's just been going over and over and over and over in my heart. I did say to Ben, can we try and reinvent this? I don't know if we can. I mean, can you take, you know, can you take a dinosaur and bring it back to life? I don't know. But anyway, there was... And it's just been going over and over and over in me. Psalm 144 verses 1 and 2. If it's up there, let's all read this, shall we? And let's read this by faith and with some guts on the inside. Let's read this. Ready? Read. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for the battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge who subdues peoples under me. What a wonderful verse. I want to sing it now. God is our victory. That's about three of us right now. God is our victory. You see, he, he had an understanding of it. He said, my God is a God of war. Now, we're not talking about fighting flesh and blood. 
This is Old Testament and their battles were very violent and very physical. Everything from Goliath through to whole nations, you know, the Amalekites and the Hittites and all the rest of it. And they took the promised land and, and all that. Today, whilst I understand the place of war on the planet, when the uh, Scripture tells us that we're in a fight, it's a good fight of faith. We do not fight flesh and blood. We fight principalities and powers. We fight in the Spirit. We fight by prayer. We fight with compassion. We fight for causes. We fight for people. We're not fighting people. I just want to make that abundantly clear at the very start of this message because this might be a little bit of a violent message today. But we're not talking about violent against people. Is that okay? But don't become so emaciated and so impotent that we lose that grid on the inside. Whilst we might not be fighting physically, we are certainly fighting in the Spirit. We are certainly at war. We've already heard it today that God will fight for us. But the, the Word of God says, Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands. Just don't hold your hands up right now. Give them a little bit of exercise. My hands, my hands for battle and my fingers, yeah, for battle, my hands for war. I think it's fantastic. It goes straight into the character of God. And it begins with my loving kindness. It doesn't start with my violent God. It starts with my loving kindness. Why? Because God loves us so much that He will fight for us. He loves us so much that He wants us to live in the high life, not the low life. He wants us to live in the victory and not in defeat. He wants us to overcome everything we face, not be overcome. God wants us to be more than conquerors, not less than conquerors in Jesus' Name. God is our victory. He will fight for us. God will deliver us. I love that concept in the Word of God, that God is a deliverer. He sets His people free. And He will also enable us to understand how to fight. Now, I don't want to go into that side of things today, but I do want us to think today about the fact that God is my deliverer. We've just read that in Psalm 144. He's my high tower. He is my deliverer. Come on, let's say that. He is my deliverer. You see, often if we talk about the word to deliver, the church seems to think of one thing and that is to deliver from an evil spirit. Let's not think so narrow that all we think about is evil spirits. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know our church here today. We, we have a great understanding of our authority in Christ, but we also, we do not focus on the enemy. We focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and we walk in the victory. God will deliver me. God will deliver you. God will deliver us because He is a deliverer. We're talking about the nature of God today. He is a healer, so He heals. He is a deliverer, so He will deliver. You don't have to persuade Him to deliver. You don't have to convince Him to deliver. God is a deliverer. He's my high tower. I can run into His name and be lifted up high above all evil and every plan of the enemy. But He is my deliverer. He will get right into the middle of the mess, set me free from it and bring me out of it in Jesus' Name. What does the name or the understanding to deliver actually mean in the Word of God? It means this, to rescue from danger. I want you to put this into your circumstances right now. To rescue from 
any danger, to make a way of escape. I love to watch films where people escape out of things. The great escape is one, you know, some of the older films about escaping and how people plan and they plot. How many of you know God sees the end from the beginning? He has got a way of escape for you and for I. It means to draw out. It means to save and it means to remove out of the middle of trouble or danger. God will deliver us. From what though? From our enemies. From our enemies. From the hand of evil people. Out of famine, out of death, out of sickness, out of sin. Obviously the great deliverance that there is and has been for 2,000 years now is that God will deliver people from sin. I know we don't often use that word on the platform. We don't often use that. We don't often talk about that. We're certainly not a sin conscious church. We're a God conscious church. If you walk in the Spirit, your flesh isn't a problem. So let's not you know, highlight the problem. Let's highlight the answer. But it's important to understand what salvation is all about. Salvation is exactly that. We are saved from sin. We are saved from ourselves. We are saved from eternal punishment. There is an eternal heaven and there is an eternal hell. We understand these things from the Word of God. Jesus Himself spoke about both. And there's loads of teaching and loads of evidence in the Bible about heaven and about hell. There is an eternity both ways. But why did Jesus die on the cross? To deliver people. To deliver them from sin, the thing that will kill you, the thing that will take you to everlasting eternal punishment. God delivers people from sin. That's why Jesus died on a cross and didn't just bring some teaching. Why? Because He needed to pay the price for the very thing that will kill you, which is sin and death. Aren't you glad He's a deliverer today? Aren't you glad you are delivered into eternal life? That we're set free. There's a way of escape. To make Jesus Christ as Lord of your life is the way of escape out of eternal punishment. Wow. He is a deliverer from our enemies. Now, whilst we do not fight flesh and Uh, blood, there are very real circumstances, probably even in this room, where people are arrayed against you. Is that okay to say this? Now, whilst we love everybody and we forgive everybody and we have compassion for everybody and we don't get offended about anything and we don't get upset with people, (laughs) that's the plan. Yeah, that's the plan. Now, I know we've all got to live up to the plan. However, we do understand in Scripture, even in the New Testament, that there were enemies against the people of God. And again, we don't fight people in any way. We love people and we forgive people, but aren't you glad God will deliver you from people? God will deliver you from being right in the, in the centre of a mess where people are arrayed against you. Isn't that good news? I've been saying, that's about three or four of us. Perhaps this is a new understanding for people. I don't know. Do you think everybody loves you? 
Do you think everybody's gonna work together for your good? Now, God will work together for your good, but there are some people that wanna kill you. There are some people that wanna reduce you. There are people that want you out of your job because they want your job. There are people that want you out of your situation because of their jealousy, their envy. We don't fight people, but aren't you glad that God will deliver you from people? See, sometimes we gotta stir this up. Now, I will never pray against a person in that sense, but I will certainly take authority over what's driving a person. You better believe it. I will take authority in the Spirit and I will pray. It's a bit bit strong for a Sunday perhaps, but you know, there are times we need to pray and say in the Name of Jesus, every tongue that rises in accusation, I condemn it in Jesus' Name. No weapon formed against me will prosper in Jesus' Name. Amen. You see, if we just sit back and relax, don't be surprised when the devil walks all over us. Yeah. He delivers us from our enemies. He delivers us from the hand of evil people. This is all scriptural stuff here. He delivers us from famine. He delivers us from death, from sickness, from sin, from oppression and from evil. We could go through so many scriptures in the Bible to see that God will deliver His people. As I was thinking through some examples about you know, some of the most amazing deliverances in the Word of God. Probably the greatest is the Exodus. Just the most incredible deliverance. People have been slaves for hundreds of years. And then God speaks to a man out of a burning bush and says, set my people free, let my people go. And he has to go to Pharaoh 10 times, let my people go. And 10 times the Pharaoh said no, so there was a disaster in Egypt. And each time the people of God were delivered from that curse and it impacted the people who were against the people of God all the way through to the firstborn dying and the angel of death and the blood on the doorposts and you've probably seen the cartoon, the Prince of Egypt and elsewhere and hopefully you've read it in the Bible about how God set a nation free in a day. Hundreds of thousands of people came out and the Bible says there was no weak or feeble one among them. These were slaves, these were beaten, these were starving. And yet God didn't just open the door and say, now leave, and they all struggled out. No, something supernatural was taking place as they ate the lamb, as they, as they had that, that um, um, you know, covenant lunch, dinner. They were healed, they were strengthened and they were set free. And as they came out of Egypt and they went through the Red Sea, we know what happened, God parted the Red Sea. What an amazing deliverance. This is our God, our deliverer. No wonder David, he wasn't there, but no wonder David said, he is my deliverer. He will set me free out the hands of the enemy. The most amazing thing. And as they came through the Red Sea, the Red Sea closed behind them and completely wiped out the enemy army. God wants to set us free completely. He wants to deliver us completely. I was thinking about another time when Esther, in Esther's um, day, and 
a fantastic account in the Bible of Esther who was able to save a nation again, really, and to, and to see God deliver. And there was a man there who was helping Esther all the way through and somebody became really uh, jealous of him and said, let's create a place to hang him. And so they created this thing, the gallows with rope and everything else. And his plan was to hang the man of God. And so he schemed and he plotted. And Esther was being favoured by God. And then the king at that time, I'm trying to put this into just a little sort of a, a couple of seconds, about four chapters in the Bible. And so um, he calls in this, this nasty man who's plotting and scheming to see the man of God hung. And so he's called into the king and the king says to this, to this schemer, he says, I want to honour somebody. What should be done to the person who I really honour and I really love? And the bloke thought that the king was talking about him. And he said, ah, oh, you've got to do this and you've got to do that and you've got to do this and you've got to do that, thinking I'm just about to get honoured from the top to the bottom. I'm just about to be honoured for all the service to this king. And so the king says, right, I want you to go and get this other bloke, your enemy, bring him in because I want to honour him. And God absolutely turned the tables of what ended up happening was the bloke who had made the gallows for the man of God was hung on them himself. What an amazing deliverance. God absolutely turned around that which the enemy meant for evil. God turned it around and delivered the people of God and meant it for good. I was thinking about Shadrach, Abednego. In the Bible and the fiery furnace. Everybody's probably heard the story of the fiery furnace and here are these three guys and they would not bow down to what the enemy or the king was saying at that time. They would not bow down. They said, no, we got principles on the inside. We will not compromise our love for God, our heart for God. How many of you know that's a tough thing to do in 2019 when, we're, when we've been pulled this way and pulled that way, compromise this, compromise that. Oh, it's only a one night stand. Oh, it's only sex before marriage. Everybody's doing it today. It doesn't matter. I'm 18, I'm 20. We can do that. It's just, of course, it's what everybody does. Hello? Everybody's watching that film. Everybody talks like this. Everybody goes there. Everybody does that. And we've been pulled this way and that. Everybody lets their kids play those games. Hello? Now, we don't become so narrow that we're like, we're not even in the world anymore. We may be in it and we're not of it, but we're not even in it anymore. We're in our own little box. I understand that, but come on. We will not bow down and worship the image like everybody else. We will not bow down. We will stay with our morals and our principles and our ethics. And we will shine and not look weird. We'll look awesome because God's in us and all over us and His hands upon us. And we'll become people that go, well, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. They haven't got the issues that I seem to have. They haven't got the mess in their kids that we seem to have. They haven't got the mess in their finances that we seem to have. They haven't got their mess in their, you know, just in their words and their oppression and their depression and they're stressed out and they're on all the tablets under the sun. What, what, what's the difference here? 
It's because of a relationship with God. And these three, they would not compromise. And so the king, the governor at that point said, okay, I want you to fire up the fiery furnace. And I want it so hot. And it was so hot that the guys who actually took these three to throw them in got killed throwing in the three. Again, isn't that amazing? (laughs) Isn't that amazing? I mean, okay, we don't want people to die today, but I love that. I love that. The enemy that came to throw in Shadrach, um, Meshach and Abednego got killed themselves. That which the enemy meant will be turned against him and used against him in Jesus' name. And they go in there, these three. And there they are walking around in the fire. But there's not just three of them anymore. There's a fourth one in there. And he looked like the son of God. Their clothes weren't burned. Their hair wasn't singed. The bonds that were tying them together were loosed and they were walking around free in the fire. And there's the king and he goes, what the heck is going on here? Uh, It must be your God that's doing this. And they call him out. And the Bible says there's not even the smell of smoke upon them. There is no evidence that they've even been in the fire. How is it you can, you can spend time with some people and they haven't been in the fire for 10 years, but they're still smelling like smoke? Hello? They're still wearing burnt rags. Come on, God's got something better for you and I. He's got something better. He says, come on, people aren't even going to know you've been in the fire. You can use it as a testimony, but you're not going to smell like smoke. Nothing, not a hair on your head is going to be singed in Jesus' Name. Our God is a deliverer, amen. Our God is a deliverer. I love this verse, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. (laughs) Excuse me, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me in order that I might preach, um, that he might preach through me, that all the Gentiles might hear. Although I was delivered out the mouth, also I was delivered out the mouth of the lion. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. I don't know if he physically fought a lion like they did in Daniel's day. But I think he's talking here about the battle of life. The Bible says the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Well, I got news for him. He may not devour me and he may not devour you in Jesus' name. And the Apostle Paul says, I was delivered out the mouth of the lion and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. God will turn your situation around for good, get you through without the smell of smoke, bring you out in abundance and raise you up in the victory in Jesus' Name. Three things as we close. Number one, and these are the three things that I believe God wants to encourage us with here today. Number one, God's arm is not too short. God's arm is not too short. Ah, but you don't know what I'm involved in. It doesn't matter, God's arm is not too short. God can get in anywhere, anywhere and into anything in Jesus' Name. 
He can get in. He will get involved. He doesn't knock and politely say, um, is it all right if I come in? He just opens prison doors. He splits the Red Sea. God walks in. Nothing can withhold our God from walking right into a situation. His arm is not too short. God will show Himself strong on your behalf. Ezekiel chapter 30. You might think this is a bit of a weird passage to go to, but wow, listen to this. Son of man, this is God speaking. I have broken the arm of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. This doesn't actually mean that God came up and snapped his arm. We're talking about the strength and the authority of a situation. It says, son of man, I have broken the arm of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and it's not been bound up to be healed or put in a splint so that it may become strong enough to hold a sword. When God comes in and breaks the arm of your enemy, He will never be able to pick up a sword again into your circumstance and into your situation. Can I hear an amen this morning? Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I am against Pharaoh, King of Egypt. I will break both his arms. (laughs) Oh man, I love this. He's saying, some time ago I broke his arm and it's not been able to be healed. It's still broken, he can't do anything about it. But I'm coming back for a second go. I'm coming back, says God. I'm coming back to do it again. And this time I'm going to break both of them. The good arm and the broken one. I'm going to break it again. I'm going to snap it again. You see, for some of you peace-loving people, this is going to be a little bit of a tough one today. But we've got to understand, my God will fight for me and He will bring me out in the victory and He will break the arm of my enemy and He will break it and He'll break it again. And He'll break it again. I'll break the good one and the bad one. And if you've got another one, I'll break that too. (laughs) Listen to this. And I will make the sword fall from his hand. I want to declare this out over your life today. The enemy's assignment is broken out of your life in Jesus' name. It's broken. It's broken. Number two. We're going to pendulum swing right now. So we've gone from God coming up and snapping arms. The the next one over here we're going to. Let, what's this word? Patience have its perfect work. Let patience have its perfect work. Faith together with patience, call them the power twins. The power twins. Faith moves every mountain. Faith believes it has received. Faith calls the end at the beginning. Faith calls things that are not as though they already were. Faith believes it has received before you can see it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but there is always, pretty much always, a period of time between you know you got it and you see it. You know you got it and yet you can't see it. Somebody comes up to you, you're healed. Yep. Oh, you still got the lump on your leg. I'm not looking at the lump on my leg. I'm looking at the Word of God that says, by His stripes I was healed. I believe I received that. And I'm not going to... 
The Bible says, do not look at the things that can be seen. Look at the things which cannot be seen for the things you can see are temporary or subject to change. All the time you can see it, God wants to change it. All the time you can see it, we can change it in Jesus' Name. Fix your eyes on the Word of God. Fix your eyes on the promises of God. Fix your eyes on the broken arm of the enemy. Fix your eyes on the Name of Jesus. Fix the name on the, Fix your eyes on the Word of God. But there's this, there's this space. Up until you come to the place of faith, you're in hope and expectation. I will get, I will get it, I will get it. God will break through. Then you come to the place where you say, ah, oh, God has broken through, I've got it. I've got it, I've got it. Not dependent on what's gone on, just dependent on what's gone on in your heart. I've got it, I know I've got it. There it is, I can see it. I may not be able to feel it, smell it, Taste it, touch it, but I've got it. So there's hope up to the place of I've got it. Then after the place you got it, it's like, I will see it. I will see it. I will experience this. What's that space called? That's called patience. It's not wait and see what will happen. I'm just waiting to see what will happen. No, no, to wait and see, you've not even come to the place of faith yet. If you're just trying to wait and see what happens, I wonder what God will do. No, you're not even in the place of faith yet. But when you know, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. How long do I have to stand? As long as you want, as long as you stand, as long as it takes. I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. But there's this period of time and that's called patience. And that's something we need to be good at. Hello? Something we need to be good at. Why? Because the Bible says this in James chapter 1, my brothers, count it all joy. Well, Hebrews chapter 6, to begin with, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Through faith and patience. The Bible actually says, Hebrews 6, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy, but imitate people who through faith and patience lay hold of what God has for them. James chapter 1 says this, my brothers, my brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, understanding that the testing of your faith produces patience. It didn't say the testing of you produces faith. Faith is only produced one way and that is by hearing the voice and the Word of God on the inside. Don't think trials will build your faith. Trials will never build your faith. Only the Word of God builds your faith. What do tri uh, trials do? They show you what faith you got and helps you to develop patience. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let, allow this to happen. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see, when you're going through a trial or a test or whatever you're going through, don't blame God. The Bible says further down, God will not test you with evil or bad stuff. He cannot be tested or tempted or tried with that, nor will He ever use those things to tempt, test or try us. Why we have a God of deliverance. He will set you free out of every test, out of every temptation, out of every trial, but we've got to allow patience to have its perfect work. So firstly, God's arm is not too short. He will get in there and He will be involved in whatever. Can the band come up please? We've got to allow, number two, we've got to allow ourselves to develop patience, which says, I've got it, now I'm going to stand. Yeah. 
I'm going to stand, having done all to stand, stand. God is my deliverer. He will bring me out into a wealthy place. He will bring me out into a place of wholeness. He will bring me out into a place of integrity. He will bring me out into a place of greater reputation. He will bring me out into a place of wonder and signs and the miracles of God. God will bring me out, but I've got to be prepared to stand. Can I hear an amen this morning? And finally, number three, keep hold of your sword. Keep hold of your sword. If we were to go back to Ezekiel, it's very clear that there was a sword in Pharaoh's hand. And God came and He broke the arm of Pharaoh, so He dropped the sword. But you know what it says? God will pick up that sword and He puts it into the hand of whoever He wants to hold it. At that time, it was another king. You see... The enemy wants to use a sword against your life. But God wants to break his arm and put that sword in your hand. He wants you to hold the very sword that the enemy was using against you. Isn't it amazing in the Word of God, time after time after time, the very thing that the enemy tried to destroy somebody with was the very thing that brought them out on top. Take up your bed and walk. Use your bed as a testimony. I love the fact that God will use the very thing in order to bring glory to His name. Why was this man uh, blind in the Bible, John chapter 9? Why was this man born blind? Well, Jesus answers that. He says, it's because the work of night did it, not God. He said, but you know what? I'm going to get involved now as the light of the world. The very thing which was meant to destroy him is going to be used for the generations to bring glory to God. Because I am the light of the world, Jesus said. See, there's a sword in your hand today. There's a sword in our hand today. There's a sword. Now we know from Ephesians chapter 6 and other passages that the sword is the Word of God. It's what we speak. It's what we believe. It's what we stand on. And it's a sword. The Bible also says it's a hammer. It's various things. But today I want us to understand that His Word is a sword in our hands. And He wants us to keep hold of that sword. See, he'll come into the enemy camp, he'll snap the arms of the enemy so they drop their sword, so they've got nothing to attack with. Oh, that's good news. But I believe he's saying to you and I today, keep hold of your sword. I love the mighty men of David. The 30 mighty men and the three mighty men and they're just the most amazing thing and what God did with those, with those people. And there was a man there who defended the lentil patch. And he said he stood there and he stood there with a sword in his hand and he fought 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 until the sword, it really says, became part of his hand. He couldn't let go of it. He, he just gripped it. Why? Because he was so, he was so one with that sword. It was part of his life. 
It was part of who he was. It's not something he picked up and put down and picked up and put down. It's something that he held in his hand and wouldn't let go. There's a film I love called The Guardian. It's about the, the uh, uh, swimmers, Kevin Costner. And they go out and they get people stranded out in the boats in the, in the rough seas and the and there's this end scene where there's a guy in the helicopter and he's holding on to this, this other guy just by his hand. And he said, I'll never let go. I'll never let go. And I won't tell you what happens because it's the film and you need to watch it. The Guardian, great film. Gets me every time. And that's our heart today. I'll never let go of the sword of the Spirit. Never let go of what God said to me. What did God say to you? Oh, well, it doesn't look like it's going to happen now. If God said it, keep hold of it. If God said it, keep hold of it. Don't put your sword down. Oh, but it looks like it's impossible now. Keep hold of your sword. That sword is the very Word of God and it's sharper than any natural sword. Natural sword. Keep the sword in your heart. Keep the sword in your mouth because God will deliver us in Jesus' Name. I don't know what you're facing today. Let's all stand to our feet, shall we? I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what it is. Perhaps it's a doctor's report. Perhaps it's a family situation. Perhaps it's an employment situation, a work situation. Perhaps it's a financial situation. Perhaps it's an emotional thing or a spiritual thing. Hold your sword. Get hold of that sword and don't let it go for anything. Hang on to the Word of God that God has given you. There's a great verse in the Word of God where the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, I gave you a prophetic word years ago. And he said, I want you to wage war with that prophecy. And just believe it. Sometimes, guys, we're just too nice. Come on, you're still with me today, have you got to see? Yeah. Sometimes we're just too nice. You got a word over your kids. Don't just put it on the shelf. Get it in your mouth. Speak it, prophesy, declare it. Let's see God move on our behalf in Jesus' Name. Come on, let's lift our hands in this place. Lord, today we lay hold of the Word of God in our heart and in our mouth. You said to Joshua, keep the Word of God in your heart and your mouth and you're going to be in victory. You're going to be in prosperity. You're going to have success. Father, we thank You today that that Word is in our heart and in our mouth. The Word of faith that we preach, the Word of faith that we believe. That Word You've given us about our health. By His stripes, You were healed is a sword in our hand today that word you've given to us about our employment the promotion may not come from the east or the west but promotion comes from the Lord Lord we declare it 
We lay hold of that in our hand. We refuse to let go. Father, we thank You that today You are a deliverer. You will come into each and every situation and You have promised to deliver Your people. Father God, we lay hold of it today. We stand for it. In Jesus' Name, devil, take your hands off of God's property. We declare victory. We declare victory. We declare victory. Come on, I want us to start to declare the Word of God over our life right now. Come on, declare it, whatever it is. Over your marriage, over your family, over your finances. Come on, let's get the sword going. Let's get the sword out right now. Let's get the sword out right now. In Jesus' Name, let's get the sword out. Come on, let's use the Word of God. Devil, take your hands off of my family, off of my finances. Come on, some of you look like you're tickling something. Come on, a sword, you stick the enemy with it. Come on, in Jesus' Name, I take authority today over sickness. We declare the victory. We declare it over financial situations. We declare it over marriages. That which God has joined together, no man will separate in Jesus' Name. We declare it financially. We declare it emotionally. I am whole, spirit, soul and body, finances and socially. In Jesus' Name. Come on, some of you don't know how to fight right now. Let's go to war in this house. In the name of Jesus for visa applications. In the name of Jesus for families, for children. Our sons and our daughters will be taught of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Harvest, devil, take your hands off of my harvest. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we declare the wholeness of our God. Our God is a deliverer. Our God is a deliverer. In the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for it today. God, we thank you for that place of wholeness. God, we thank You for that place of deliverance. You're the same God who who shut the mouths of the lions. You're the same God who divided the Red Sea. You're the same God who, who quenched the violence of the flames. You're the same God yesterday, today and forever. thank you for freedom. We thank you for deliverance. In Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. Come on, if you believe it, let's give a shout of praise. In the-